Hey, Springs Community Church, so excited to be with you guys this morning. My name is John. I serve as pastor here at the Springs. Welcome. So excited to be gathering with you guys as you sit on couches, as you stay at home, as you worship, watch, and learn from wherever. I can't wait to jump into the passage today. Before we do that, let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the chance that we have to gather to utilize technology. Lord, I pray for followers of you, that during this time, as we sit on couches, as we recline, that we would not slow down our pursuit of you, that we would excel still more, that we would run the race marked out for us, that during this time of COVID, we would not lean back, but we would lean in to your love. Help me to do that. Help the folks watching this who don't know you, who are perhaps confused in faith, help them to come to know what that love really looks like. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Guys, excited. I want to start out, though, with a a, a story. So in the South, here's what you probably already know. People love football. Like, if you talk about college football right now and COVID, everybody starts to get a little nervous. Last year, nobody was. Our staff, we like to have fun. Jonathan Dennis, he's a pastor with us. Garrison Price, he's a pastor. Jonathan loves Auburn Tigers. Garrison loves Florida Gators. Now, you might be wondering, did either of them happen to go to said universities? Nope. Are they total diehard fans of them? Yes. Last year, Auburn Tigers were going to Gainesville, and they were going to play Florida Gators there. Jonathan, Garrison, they got together. They both loved college football. They're like, man, what should we do? We've got extra cash to burn. Just kidding. They're pastors. And they were like, you know what? Let's book tickets on a plane, get a rental car, buy tickets, get an Airbnb. We're going to the game. It looked like a ton of fun. They were looking forward to it. We as staff got to hear about it, and then we heard about it after. They get on the plane. They fly to Florida. They get this rental car. They get a nicer rental car. Why? They're having fun. They're enjoying it. Jonathan, he'd got the tickets before. They drive, have this nice Airbnb. They stay the night. They wake up the next day. They go to the stadium. The energy's there. The crowd's there. The game is going. They're so excited. Who's going to win? Auburn Tigers. Who's going to win? Florida Gators. They're standing in line. All of a sudden, you know that person where they're, they're checking your ticket? All they've heard the entire time was this ding, ding, ding. They're just letting people in, letting people in, letting people in. Jonathan goes to hand him his ticket. All of a sudden, he doesn't get ding. He got dirt. The guy looks, hey, I'll, I'll try again. Dirt. Garrison hands him his dirt. The guy says, hey, some, sometimes this happens. Why, why don't you go to Will Call, check it out. They can look at it. They go to walk in Will Call. Jonathan, he'd gotten his tickets online. He even found the guy who was selling them. He wasn't going to use his tickets. He, he called him. He, he looked at it before. Everything looked official. It had the barcodes. Everything seemed real, seemed legit. Jonathan's standing in line. He goes to check his phone. He, he paid for it through an app, Venmo. He goes to check his phone to just confirm everything was good. He opens it, and he has a message on Venmo. It was from someone else who'd bought tickets from that same person. The, vest, the message on Venmo said, scam, fake tickets. Jonathan Garrison, they hear the roar of the crowd. The game's getting ready. Pre-game is there. They are at will call. They have bought the tickets. They have flown. They got the rental car. They did the Airbnb. They bought the nice night of dinner. They're at the game, ready to go, and they realize we've been scammed, conned, tricked. My favorite word or synonym, bamboozled. They've been bamboozled. What does Jonathan do? The only thing he can do in that moment, he buys 
tickets, ponies up, pays more money, goes inside. They've paid twice. He's bummed out. He's going through everything in his head. He's like, man, how did he do it? Like, I called him. I talked to the guy. He seemed so sincere. He explained the whole situation. It was a real ticket. He had done everything he could to not get tricked, to not get conned. And he got got. He sat there and he reflected and he realized it. The, the ticket guy who'd sold it to him, he'd somehow gotten a hold of a faculty ticket and sold it as a regular ticket, so they couldn't do it, so it was a real ticket. But he sat there with a different seat than what he wanted, and he thought about, man, how he was scammed. Here's the reason I start with that. Oftentimes, when you go to buy something, right, you're always worried about scams. Buyer beware. You go to buy something off Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, online. You see this, call now in the next 24 hours. We'll send you another one for free. And you're like, all right, scam, buyer beware. We kind of have our, our almost guard up a lot of times. I don't think many of us have our guard up for scams that don't come from out in the world about tickets or sales or products but happen from within the church. Con artists, scams from within the church. And when I say the church, what I mean there, guys, it's the people of God. Here's the reason why I share that, because today we're going to talk about how to identify Christian imposters, con artists, those who come to bamboozle. Because again, guys, I think a lot of times we look at tickets and we try to do everything we can, but we don't really think about it that way in the church. And even as I share this, some of you, you come and you literally, you carry baggage, not just because you got swindled off Craigslist or somebody took something from Facebook Marketplace or you bought a product that you shouldn't have or you sent money to the Nigerian prince who finally asked you over email for the 15th time. P.S., don't do that, right? You finally went through all that effort but then you came, you got connected to a church, and there was someone who said they were a follower of Jesus Christ, and they took advantage of you. There's perhaps a person in a position of leadership just like mine that took advantage of you. You were conned, and you were scammed. It happens in the church. And guys, today, the Apostle Paul, in reminding Timothy, in instructing you and instructing me, He's going to say, hey, here's how you be on guard for that. Here's how we identify a Christian imposter. This matters. It, right now, we're continuing our series through 2 Timothy. Last few weeks, we've been talking about just truth and how the Apostle Paul reminding Timothy, he upholds this banner of just telling him, God's word is true. This is what you stand in. This is what you live by. And then from truth today, he's going to pivot He's going to say there are some folks, they don't want truth. What they want is deception. And it's going to take on a bit of a darker tone. And why this matters so much, God does not want you to be scammed, conned. God does not want you to get got. That can be either from the, the relationship or you're single and the person you might date who just flaunts this idea of Christianity but doesn't really love and fear God all the way to the folks, even in the church that you sit by, that you care for, the community. Just because someone carries the name of Christian, wears a cross, and has a Bible does not make them a follower of Jesus. This has been true from the beginning. Paul's reminding Timothy. He's reminding us. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9 to see how to identify a 
Christian, and if you've seen that repeatedly, I put that in quotes because we're going to qualify that. A Christian imposter. The first thing we're going to see, and I love this language we're about to use. I learned this from a pastor who once taught it to me named Jonathan Pakluda, this theme of what happens with these imposters. Here's what's true of them. Imposters are posers. That'll be our first idea. And the second, imposters are predators. So if you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Again, to set it up from last week, what we saw is this beautiful, resounding commitment to truth. God's word, the inerrant word in our life, informing everything. And then he's going to switch, and he's going to talk about people in the church. And there's this tone of, but. There are those who come to oppose truth. And that's why we're going to see how to identify a Christian imposter. Grab your Bible. I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 3. I'm going to read down through verse 5, and then we're going to pick it up there. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for, belief, for, excuse me, for people who will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, Paul's covering all his bases. Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. I love the idea. Swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Guys, that last part, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. That should be one of the scariest verses in your Bible. What is Paul saying? What is he reminding of Timothy? He's reminding Timothy how to identify a Christian imposter. And what's the first theme he's teaching you and he's teaching me? What is true of imposters? How do you identify them? First theme out of the passage, imposters are posers. Imposters are posers. Now, here's what I mean by poser. That word may be a bit of a throwback for some of you. A poser, here's what I mean. This is someone who looks like, acts like, walks like, talks like someone or something, yet really isn't. It's a facade. It's a charade, right? Best example I can think of, even from my own life, I can remember in middle school, I went through a whole like skater phase. So think early 90s or mid 90s, X Games are huge. Like I had skater shoes, skater pants, skater shirt. Like I played Tony Hawk in 64. So I could talk like skater lingo. Here was the only thing, and I like to skateboard, but the only thing about it was I was not a skater. I was an awkward middle school poser. That's what I'm talking about. There are people who can look like, act like, walk like, talk like followers of Jesus, the appearance of godliness, but in their substance, they are not followers. Paul, he's reminding Timothy, hey, Timothy, here's ways you can recognize posers in the church. First thing that he talks about is, Timothy, first, you got to recognize the difficulty of the times. You see it right there in verse 1. Paul, he starts, but understand this. That's that tone. That's where it shifts. And this, it's getting darker. The theme, it's getting darker. Understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. The last days, that's in reference to when Jesus is first coming and then his future second coming. The last days is the time period in between those. Was Timothy right here in the last days? Yes. Are we, and wherever this timeline, are we in the last days? Yes. And what marks it? Difficulty. Why is it specifically being marked by difficulty? Posers in the church. 
what marks a poser. The next thing he says is, here's how you got to recognize posers, and you recognize them by something. The idolatry in their hearts. Stay with me here. Let me show you that. He's going to give this vice list where he lists all the negative things. He's going to set that up. And he gives like these bookends to it. He says, lovers of self, and the final one is lovers of pleasure. Posers to their core. Do not worship, glorify, pursue, run after God. Their God is themselves. And here's the language Timothy uses for that. He says they are lovers of money. They're proud, arrogant. They want to build themselves up, abusive. They are domineering over others, disobedient to parents, anti-authoritarian, ungrateful means entitled, unholy, because what's the opposite? It's holy. They're heartless, unappeasable. Look at our culture today, guys. I just listed so many things that our culture deifies, glorifies, proud, arrogant. I got this. Lover of money. Man, chase money down. Unappeasable. How dare you say that to me? Heartless. I don't care. This is a list of the way so many walk around today. Except this one. It's in the church. It goes on unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure, why? Their God is themself. And when your God is yourself, what does that mean your God is not? That's where Paul says, rather than lovers of God. The second way that you identify a poser here is you recognize the idolatry in their heart. But there's a caveat you need to add to this. Every one of those sins, this vice list, can apply to a believer in Jesus Christ. But what Paul's speaking to is, are these things the pattern of their life? Is this the direction? Is this the habit? When you come around the person and you see them over time, do they love God? Do they fear him? Do they want to walk in a faithfulness out of adoration? Or is their God themselves? Are they the center of everything? Are they constantly worried about them? What about me? What about me? What about me? Or is it, no, what about God? What would God have me do? That's the idolatry. It's this direction of their life. That's why you see this over time. Third thing he says there, right into verse five, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. You have to recognize that posers in the church They come with the facade, the fronting, a masquerade of Christianity. These are the folks, the appearance of godliness. This meant for them, like, they went to Awanus. They know the Bible study. They can quote to you Sermon on the Mount. They carry a Bible. They show up in church. They seem better off than you in every way spiritually. They walk like it, act like it, talk like it, look like it. But what's true? It's all a show. It's an appearance not in substance. How do you know? But, but denying its power. What power are they denying? The redemptive, saving power of Jesus Christ that looks at them as a poser and says, I know your sin. I paid for it. I died for it. I love you. You're mine. Do you see? He's saying, here's how you recognize posers. Not out there in the world. In the church, amongst the people of God. This matters, guys. The part that I really think this matters is you can look like, act like, walk like, talk like a believer in Jesus Christ and not know God. 
One of the things, the college I went to in Atlanta, I was blessed, had a huge uh, Jewish community in it. So I went there, and I had a whole bunch of, uh, I had friends growing up who were Jewish, but I can remember going there, and the conversation changed a little bit. I would talk to folks who said, yeah, I'm Jewish, but they'd always qualify it right after that. They'd say, yeah, I'm Jewish, and they'd say most often, yeah, but I'm just culturally Jewish. And then you would hear, yeah, I'm Jewish, I'm practicing, I'm orthodox, or I'm religious. And what that meant was two different things. Though Jewish marked them, culturally said, hey, man, that's my background, that's my heritage. It's kind of like a cultural identity for me, but I'm not claiming a belief in Yahweh. And the other, practicing, religious, orthodox, those Jewish friends would say, no, 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 I believe in Yahweh. And in accordance with that tradition, with that faith, they fight to follow the law. Here's the amazing thing. My Jewish friends there had more honesty and recognition of there's a huge difference between the appearance of faith culturally and the absolute existence of its power, real faith. I wish, I'm pleading, that's something the American church needs to develop. Like we need to come and be able to recognize so many folks in church, they come because they always have, they come because their parents did, they come because they think they're supposed to. They put on this morality to give this appearance, but in their heart, if you ask them, do you love, believe in, and recognize Christ died for you in the power that exists through his spirit? They don't, they don't know that. They don't feel that. They don't live in that. Cultural Christianity is oftentimes an example of a poser in the church someone who might know the better Bible answers or the right way, but in their heart, there is no love of God, that freedom and redemption they don't grasp. One of my favorite people at the Springs, he's a member here, his name's Carrie Leverett, his wife Paula, they're an amazing couple. It's a privilege to get to know them. Carrie was describing a time, this was his second marriage, Paula is now his third wife, had a beautiful marriage for decades. His second marriage, he can remember He was sitting there and he was reflecting on the fact that it was falling apart. It was falling apart at the seams. And he thought to himself, I need to get back, and the way he describes it, to the faith of my mama. You see, his mom was a sincere believer and follower of Jesus Christ. She had been transformed and saved by grace. And Carrie, in the midst of destruction, knew this is what I got to do. That didn't change his life then. That marriage came to end. Carrie moved on, he married Paula, they're married, they're into their marriage, and they start to do what a lot of people do, they're kind of straddling the fence. They'd been around church for most of their life, they're going to it. Carrie, one day, he talks about while he was married with uh, Paula, he goes for a jog, and he was listening to an Amy Grant song. So her, her song, if I'm, if I'm remembering the lyrics right, it says, I will live like a believer, and I will no longer follow the deceiver. And there was this moment where as he's jogging, this Holy Spirit-led illumination of saying, in his words, I can't walk on both sides of the street. In Paul's words, I cannot have the appearance of godliness and deny its power. He went home to Paul, and it was there that he really describes the sense of coming to know the redemptive, saving power of Jesus Christ. He believed it by faith. Paula, over time, she saw a transformation in Carrie. She describes it as where she was seeing Carrie want to spend time reading God's word. He described reading his Bible like getting to know an old friend, and it made Paula jealous. Why? Paula, too, had been around church. Paula, too, had known all that. But she did not know God. Three months later, 
Paula. Her life was transformed by grace. She no longer had the appearance of godliness. She had God himself within her, and it's this beautiful marriage. But here's the thing, guys. They've been around church for the majority of their life. They were leading small groups. They were leading Bible studies. They were leading all of that. Imposters can be posers. Here's the way that we apply this. How does it apply to you? How does it apply to me? Here's my first question for you. My first question, honestly, and, and, and hear me, like lean in, and especially if you're a student, young adult, or adult anytime, is this you? Like, is your life marked by the appearance of godliness? But to your core, there's no real love, there's no real belief, there's no real desire. A few questions you can do to kind of help you navigate that, if you sit in like a confusing, is, hey, do you remember a time, a season, or a phase of your life where God changed you? There was a before and there was after. Another way you can kind of think about this is do you have conviction over your sin? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit within you brings conviction. Do you, do you have that? The third, do you desire godliness? You'll note those three questions that I helped to use to navigate it. I, I didn't point to, was there a moment where you walked down an aisle and you prayed a prayer? That very well is a moment of salvation for a lot of people, but I didn't reference that. I didn't reference a moment where you may have had the privilege to go to camp and it's the last night and there's this moment where they come, there's this gospel presentation. That very well is a moment of salvation for many, but I didn't reference that. Why? All of those can have the appearance and I'm trying to get to the substance, the power of godliness in your life. You'll also note, I didn't say, have you been perfect in your obedience? Followers of Jesus Christ have problems. That's why I said we're capable of this list in moments, but is this the direction of our life? May it never be. Now, what's another way to apply this? If you're there and you say, no, 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 by grace through faith, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. How does this apply to you? Remember the context. Paul warning Timothy about imposters in the church, posers. Here's what you need to do. Be aware. Be aware. And here's what I think you need to be aware of. What is the pattern of people's lives? What is the direction? What is the fruit that they're throwing off? Where is it going? You can see that in Christian community. You can see that in Christian relationships. You can see that in Christian positions of leadership. Are they loving and pursuing God? If not, you at least got to come and tell them to excel still more. If not, say, hey, can we have a hard conversation? Let's keep going. We're going to pick it back up. We are going to look at uh, verses 6 through 9. So Paul, he's talked about posers. Now he, he's going to really zoom in and he's going to focus on something that's a little darker, that's a little harder. To set it up, I want to remind you guys, uh, I, I hope you've seen, perhaps kiddos, I, I don't know, right? The Dark Knight. It's the second Batman, Christian Bale, produced by uh, Christopher Nolan. It's a wonderful movie, Batman Plug. There's this moment where Batman's butler, Alfred, says something to Master Bruce. He talks about the Joker. That's the antagonist in the movie. If you don't know that, we'll pray for you, right? But that's the Joker, and he says to Batman, Batman's trying to figure out the Joker and why he would. And he says to him, hey, Master Bruce, there are some men, and I'll say women, there are some men and women that just want to watch the world burn. 
the next part Paul's going to talk about, imposters aren't just posers. Imposters can be predators. Let me show you that from the passage. Picking up in verse 6. For among them, that doesn't mean all of them, but from among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive in the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding their faith. They are not sincere believers in Christ. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. If you remember, my second point from this passage is imposters can be posers. You'll note, or excuse me, can be predators. You'll note the change. Before I said imposters are posers. They always are. It's the appearance of godliness. When they don't have it, they are. But what is true of predators? They can be. Paul's language, it shifts here, and he shifts it to really say something about this. He says, predators in the church are real. That's his first theme. The language he uses is they creep. They strategically sneak in. What is their heart to capture? Who are they after? In this moment, it's a vulnerable group. He even uses an example, Janus and Jambres. You won't be able to find these names in your Bible, but in accordance with Jewish tradition, here's exactly who they were. If you were to go back in the book of Exodus, Moses, he leads his people out from Egypt and Pharaoh. There's this moment where Moses, God gives him a sign, and Moses takes his staff, it was this gift from God, and he throws his staff down before Pharaoh and Pharaoh's magicians. And his staff turns into a serpent, it's this big cobra, right? All of a sudden, Pharaoh sends his magicians, and these magicians, with their evil powers, they take their sticks and they throw them down and their sticks turns to, stay, uh, to snakes. Excuse me. Now Moses demonstrating the power of God, his cobra literally eats their snakes. But according to Jewish tradition, Janus and Jambres were two of Pharaoh's magicians. After Moses had gone, he was going to let his people go, lead them out of Egypt. They pretended to convert to Judaism. They joined the Israelites and then they went with the Jews out of Egypt to subvert the leadership of Moses, and what God was doing. According to tradition, once they get to Mount Sinai, there's this historical golden calf moment where the people turn from God. They help incite that. Why? They oppose truth. Imposters can be predators. Predators are real. The second thing that Paul, he's really reminding Timothy here is like, what do predators look for? Predators look for the vulnerable. In this specific instance in Ephesus, he's talking about this group of weak women. It's vulnerable. This could be women. In this context, specifically as women, it could be men as well, right? But here is speaking to a group of women that Paul knew of there in Ephesus. And then he describes what made them vulnerable. The first language that he uses, he says they were burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. The first thing that made them vulnerable was immorality. Now these were women, believers in Jesus Christ, who had been burdened, weighed down by sin. We don't know if this sin was their past. Say, for example, they'd committed tremendous, painful acts of sin in the past. Maybe they were having a terrible time forgiving themselves in the present. They had a warped theology because of immaturity that's to come that said, well, maybe I deserve the brokenness. Maybe I welcome this. Maybe I lower standards. Hey, because I've made this broken decision and that broken decision, maybe it's only right that this comes. Immorality. 
They are plagued, led astray by various passions. Maybe it's their sin in the present. Their life has become so enshrined in sin that intimacy with God, it's broken, and repentance mends it, but they're not repenting. So what do they do? They try to follow a new fad or a new teaching or a new way according to those who creep and capture. Predators always go after the vulnerable. You saw this in your Bible. Janus Chambers. Final thing that Paul's saying here is he's reminding them. Here's another thing about predators. Predators are identified and they are found over time. Verse 9, he says, but they will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all as was that of the two men. It's this idea that God loves every person that the truth will find them out. It's the thought that either in this life with time you will be caught as a predator or most certainly in the next, at the accounting of God, you will be found as a predator, but predators are identified over time. Guys, the part that's obvious here that you could point to is there are predators that literally make a living, and many of them a good living, preying off of vulnerable Christians. I didn't feel right coming and giving lists of names and what all that looks like, but there are those generally, and it can happen locally, but man, it's amazing how even in Christian culture, we somehow tolerate it to where on television, people who don't believe in Jesus can be switching through channels and come to a television show where a televangelist pastor asking them to give money to them so that God would bless them, we tolerate You've seen the Netflix documentary, American Gospel. Guys, people can make a living off of vulnerable Christians. I don't know if any of you happen to follow the Babylon Bee, right? It's this satire that kind of has this Christian background, but I would not say it's a Christian website by any means, but it's uh, satirical articles. And one of them was actually one about Benny Hinn. I will call Benny Hinn out, right? Benny Hinn who he came and he supposedly, it's all hypothetical, it's a joke, but he has this op-ed, so he writes it and he titled it this according to the Babylon Bee, Benny Hinn. He said, I can't believe that I'm still getting away with this. Why? He preys on the vulnerable, poses truth in need of the redemption and power of God to save him from his sins and eternal separation. Imposters are predators. They are predators. I think what we have to do here is then think through, okay, how do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we love predators? I can remember in high school, one of the things I never forgot was learning about Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt, he had this foreign policy strategy that stuck with me forever. His foreign policy strategy was this, speak softly and carry a big stick. Here's what you do, and we, as followers of Christ, those who are meant to identify sheep, or excuse me, wolves hiding in sheep's clothing. We speak softly, remind people to love Jesus Christ. Even if they're found in their sin, we say God loves you, he wants to forgive you, but you must walk in repentance. And then what do we do? We carry a big stick. What does a shepherd do? They beat off the wolves at night. There are wolves in sheep's clothing. This you must know if you want to identify a Christian imposter. My friend Kerry that I told you about, he told me a story. He was a, a physician. He had a patient come to see him, and this patient felt for some reason like it was right to tell Kerry about part of his personal life. 
Now, as he went to tell this, it was not in a heart of confession. Carrie describes it almost having a heart of bragging. This man in this instance described how he would go from New Braunfels to San Antonio to different churches where he would look for adult Sunday school classes. And in those, he would look to prey on women, to take advantage, to mistreat, and to prey on women. What was true of this man? He looked like, acted like, could talk like, could pray like a follower of Jesus Christ, the appearance of godliness, denying its power, predator. He was in opposition to the truth. So guys, what do we do with this? How is this practical? Here's, here's my first question. It's the same one from before. Is this you? Are you a willfully, intentionally manipulative predator who comes and uses the guise and the facade of Christianity to get at something else? If you are, here's what you need to know. There's a God in heaven who loves you. Your sin is offensive to him. He died for it. You must deal with it, because if not, he will deal with you. The way you deal with it is you repent by faith in Jesus Christ, the forgiver of your sins. Come, tell us, we will help you. This is a safe place. We pray that predators become preachers. That is our whole hope. That is what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. But the second thing that you need to know if you won't come forward, and you are the predator, and I know if you're watching this, you're sitting at home, I'm not saying I'm talking to all of you, but guys, imposters are in the church. This is why, by the way, if you want to become a member at the Springs, sometimes people come and they say, well, why do we got to go through so much? Because we want to get to know you. We not only want to figure out, wait, are you a poser? Is there confusion of faith where really Jesus Christ can lead you to newness? but we want to find predators. This is why if you want to apply to serve in a kid's ministry, you go through multiple interviews, background check, application, training, why? And then you're still overseen and watched, why? Second thing, if you're the predator, be warned. You will be found out. While this is a place of grace, if you are found and you don't come forward, you will be pursued to the fullest extent of the law in the righteous judgment of God. And as we do that, we will tell you to believe in Jesus Christ, who's redeemed our souls. We're no better, but we have been transformed. And in that transformation, we live differently. But how does it apply to you? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you say, man, this is super serious, but no, I'm not a predator, but hey, thank you for caring. I think the third thing that you have to do is you have to be on guard. Be on guard. Because remember, what's true? Predators prey on the vulnerable. Who were the vulnerable, according to Paul? The immoral, the immature. Can you easily be tossed to and fro by every uh, scheme and deceitful cunning? Is, is that you? Do you know God's word? If not, tell us, we'll train you. Is your life shrouded in sin? where even as God's screaming at you, your heart's so cold you can't hear him, and in that you're vulnerable. Come, share. We will help. We will help you walk by faith. But what's the thing that you can do is not only help us be on the lookout. If something doesn't look right, say something. But also, be healthy. A holy follower of Jesus Christ, imperfect as you are, imperfect as I am, but growing in holiness at every turn. Guys, here's what we talked about. 
we talked about how to identify a Christian imposter. First thing you need to know is imposters are posers. Right, They come and they have the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. How do you really discern? How do you really tell the difference? Examine the pattern of their life over time. If you are single and looking to get married, do not just uh, get married to the first guy or the first gal who carries a Bible and gives you attention. One of the questions I often ask Christians as they go to date other people, and people look at me and say, well, that's kind of self-righteous. I say, no, I think it's biblical. They come and they say, oh yeah, I just started dating somebody. And I ask them, well, hey, are they a believer in Jesus? Yeah, yeah, I know they're a believer in Jesus. My second question, almost always, regardless of how well I know them, do they sincerely love and fear God? Because if you remember fear, guys, it's not means to be scared of. It means God's God, I'm not. It's reverence. Do you see that? Church, the folks that you walk with, do you examine the pattern of their life? Who all do you allow access and input to your soul? Is it the appearance or is it real godliness? And then even for folks who are followers of Jesus Christ, where are the areas of your life and mine where I'm way more appearance than I should be? Like I'm way more facade than I am faithful. What is that to you? We must go to war with that. The second thing that we talked about on how to spot an imposter is we have to know imposters can be predators, that that is real, that we are at watch, we stand at the gate. We need your help, church, to protect this body, and we pledge to you we will protect this body. But we are not immune to the same things of this early church. And here's what's true. God is looking to redeem everyone Posers to professing believers of Jesus Christ. Predators to preachers. And I don't mean just in a pulpit. I mean coming before, telling the world, here's who I was, here's what he did. It's the power of Jesus Christ that saves. That's what he did in my life. For the longest time, I was the poser. I never had the willful uh, being a predator, but I did pray on And I I dragged the name of Jesus Christ through the mud. And it was only by his grace and his kindness that I received that forgiveness. Man, I hope you know, if you are a follower of Christ, he loves you. Help us lead in protecting the flock. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, I hope you know, he loves you. He died for you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. What must you do? Believe. Believe it to be true, and we will help you follow him. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you come, and even Paul to Timothy, you are instructing church leaders. You are calling them to live faithfully in the midst of difficulty and persecution and confusion, and it so beautifully translates to today. Lord, help me to be faithful. Help us to stand and watch. Help us to lovingly identify the Christian imposter so they can come to know you so we can protect this body. We need your help to do that. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Guys, thank y'all for joining us online. I can't wait to be back with you guys next week. Y'all have a great week of worship. I'll see you soon.